This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Buddies and travelers down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, your foliage upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined by the very autumnal Stagger Lee Malone. How are you, my friend? I don't feel autumnal. Do you not? I feel like summer's well and truly over now, pal. Cold snap. It's starting. Yeah, it's got, I, I don't know, I, maybe I'm just a stray from summer to winter person. Yeah. Also, I suppose you're somebody who works in chilled environments. Yes. Habitually, whereas yes. like, I think today was the first day where I had that old man thing of, I got a chill into me in the morning and I didn't get it out for hours. Uh, I was sitting in work alone for the first three hours today and I'd blasted the heating and put a blanket around me like a cape. Oh, and nice. uh yeah um my co-worker's son said i look like a wizard so i'll take that all he said a wizard or batman i said well honestly that's six of one and a half it does the other i'll take both of those compliments thank you very much <laughs> ah but which batman? um uh, yeah well this is true this is very true very true um but yeah uh, and and consequently i have i have brought out uh what was a recent gift to me that you may notice on this zoom call i am now the owner of one of these fucking snood things, the snood uh, dressing gown type thing. The the yeah the large kind of like hoodie slash blanket thing. Um. I yeah I don't know it's it's early doors yet with this thing. I didn't think they were for me, but then like the last couple of nights it's actually been cold. But because I'm also an old man now, I'm stingy with putting on my heating. So it's like oh well, it's cold enough that I can just layer up and I'll be fine. <laughs> Um, this is this is what's happening now, and I'll tell you, um, I think I might be a changed man now that I have one of these. I'll tell you, you could be a conservative MP with that that kind of uh, rhetoric. I, I, I yeah, I I actually look like when when I stand up in it because the whole gimmick is that they look like uh like a fluffy hoodie that's about four sizes too big for you. Mm. Um, so like when I'm walking around the house, I look like something out of fucking Sesame Street. Um coming down the stairs or whatever but um it's like i've been up here in the in the office the last couple of nights and i'm wearing it for like an hour and and i have to pop the thing off because oh the tog in this thing is mighty like i I work up quite a sweat just sitting here in this thing so i'm I'm pretty happy with it i gotta say well i mean whoever whoever got you that lovely gift they've uh, done a good job that would be my my lovely fiance of course 
um, who I, I think maybe got it more for herself, so I wouldn't be bitching about the cold. I would imagine so. It was a gift for everybody. Yeah, I so rarely feel the cold that when I do, I'm an, I'm absolutely insufferable about it. So I'd say, yeah, she she got it for everyone's benefit. Well, con- considering um, I, I'm sat here in a hoodie and a pair of shorts, but I wear shorts all year round, so... Yeah, I, I kind of only... It's funny, like, the how quick the, things change, because I was wearing shorts up until about three weeks ago. Uh, and now I'm, like, Captain Comfort over here. Um, but, yeah, how, how have you been, aside from that, pal? <laughs> I'm good. I don't, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show, but we got a recent promotion. So, Ooh. I am now office. Oh, my God. You got... They gave you the book. Oh, they gave me the book. Oh, you know, even worse, I have access to the books. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. And as you can attest to, that's not a good thing. So, how long before you're replaced in an embezzling scandal? Uh, that's that's what that's for the listeners to decide. I mean, yeah. But the we, money was just resting in your account, of course. <laughs> Listen, they, they won't notice. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I'm now out of the cold. And into the nice warm office where I can sit in a t-shirt all day. It's great. Good stuff. Does it now? Now you got to try and keep in touch with the common man. Now that you've you you've been promoted away from that, you have to remember where you came from, Lee. But you know what the best part is? What's that? I no longer have to work weekends. Oh, yeah. I'm still on that working Saturdays train uh, for now, but I think that will be changing in the near future. Fingers crossed. Um. One other thing, uh, well, actually, two other things uh, I wanted to mention before we went on is, um, I don't know who uh, has seen the odd picture of me here and there on social media, but I'm going to provide a hair update, Lee, because I, I have an idea, right? Okay. Um. So th- this hair that I've got, so you, you've you known me for like six or seven years now. and oh, easy. like yeah, easily. Up until like relatively recently mm. uh i was always a a shaved down quite tight sort of guy and uh one of my uh lockdown depression project projects was to just grow out my hair uh and it is now down past my shoulders um it is to the point of like having to require copious amounts of tying it up and and things like that to just go about my day uh but the whole kind of like it, it was it started out of the impracticality of getting your hair cut during lockdown because there was no barbers and when mm. you did go to a barbers you had to wear a mask and it was all finicky and shit like that so I was like fuck it and then I had this brainwave that I would grow it out to the length required to donate it to to make wigs for, for the kids the, the, the kids with cancer mm. this was my idea and I'd raise funds and, and things like that now Part of my problem was I said this out loud before I researched how long my hair would have to be. Um, so, and I immediately partly regretted so committing to this. Just just how long does your hair have to be for you to be able to donate it? So the place I'm looking at, I think they're called the Rapunzel Foundation, uh, need the hair to be over 12 inches Whoa, off fuck. the top of my head. Uh, I am pleased to report, though, as of this week, I'm just over 11. So I, we're getting there. Um, and I think when I when I hit that threshold, I'm going to let it grow to maybe 13-ish because I don't want it to... I, I don't want to get completely scalped 
if I can avoid it when I donate the hair. Like, I'd like it quite short, but mm. not like, do you know, uh, where I have to fucking shine myself up uh, on the shino ballo uh, when I'm done. Um, leave a bit left. But I think what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to uh, do like a fundraiser online for it as well as like, so I'm donating the hair, but I'm also raising a bit of money for charity. Oh, yeah. So I think I'm going to... What I'm doing is because I I actually quite like my long hair. I I quite enjoy having it long, and I probably will grow it straight back, not this long, and I will get it cut to keep it even. Because the thing is, I haven't touched it, so like the back is longer than the, the sides. You know what I mean? Because I was trying to get to that twelve inch well, threshold well, as quickly I as possible. I do not know what you mean, Dave. No. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is true. Sorry, my my follically challenged friend. Um. No, so I, I think by I, because I like it now, I was afraid that I'd kind of just not do it. So I think if I speak it out into the world... You've now committed um, to the bit. Yeah, I've now committed to the bit and people are going to get on me about it if I kind of go radio silent and don't talk about it. And that's kind of what I want. So that when it is long enough um, that I can do the fundraiser, you know, if some listeners felt like chipping in, that's cool. If not, at least they're keeping the pressure on that I can donate the hair and... And I'm going to be hassling people in work about it anyway to, to donate to me. Um, so there's that. And also, Lee, we're doing this podcast under a pall of sadness. Because one of the great workers of our day sadly passed away mere hours before uh, this podcast was to begin. And I can see by your face you, you haven't heard the sad news, Lee. No. Uh, and that is that uh, Angela Lansbury is no longer with us. Oh, no. Jessica Fletcher herself. Oh, that's nice. Um, you know, R.I.P. to a real one. Uh, so this one goes out to her. Were you a murder she wrote guy growing up? It was like a staple of afternoon TV in Ireland. I've seen so many episodes just without ever actually watching it. If yeah. that makes sense, it was just always like you say on afternoon television. What about it? What's it? What's the Disney movie? Bed knobs and broomsticks. Were you a bed knobs and broomsticks guy? I wasn't. I again. I probably saw it as a kid, but no memory yeah. of it. But yeah, no. Look, obviously, I'm aware of who and Angela Lansbury mm-hmm. is. Um, I I remember one of the really early kind of like uh, online forum uh, film or TV theory things I ever read was the whole idea is like there's been so many murders in Cabot Cove. Do we think Jessica Fletcher was behind them? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, similar with John Nettles and Midsummer Murders. It's like a lot of murders happen in a small community, and <laughs> he's the common thread. But what, what wasn't um, wasn't that the thing of uh, the plot of uh, Shaun of the Dead, basically? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna see. I, I wonder. Sometimes I do this when a celebrity dies and see if they have any ties with the world of wrestling, uh, just by. Uh, Googling their name plus wrestling. <laughs> she had to um, have guest hosted Raw at some stage. Well, there actually was. Um, hold on. I, I've just found a, a cage side seats um, article. Um, oh, so. This is. A, Oh, apparently it was the the lead in in some territories for Raw. Okay, <laughs> that's great stuff. 
So truly, she's like she's the opening act of Raw. She's the cold open for Raw. Um, you know, Quite literally, the cold. Take... <laughs> oh, oh dear. Oh, poor Angela. Poor, poor Angela. Rightly, I suppose. Uh, just before we get into this episode of Thunder, um, we should go live now to the Days of Thunder hotline. Thanks, Dave. You know, things have been really heating up here at the Days of Thunder Hotline. Just this past week, we released Rehash of the Champions 4, the fourth instalment in our chronological revisiting of every NWA and WCW era Clash of the Champions, which featured the main event of the Midnight Express taking on Ric Flair and Barry Windham. And next week, we will have Black and Golden Days Season 2, the second episode in our journey through every season of NXT as we work towards the TakeOver era, or as we like to refer to it, the black and golden days but as you know it's october which means it's a very special time of the year here at days of thunder as it's our ketoween and this month we will have a very special free episode over at patreon.com forward slash wcw thunderpod as we will be reviewing the classic scream 2 starring the one and only david arquette but we feel that's just not enough this month as you will also get a grab bag audio with Dave. You will get a lonely audio with Lee. Dave will be updating his sheet, tracking his match of the years. You will get show notes. You will get so much more only at patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod. So for this week, this has been me and Gene Malone with your Days of Thunder hotline update. And now back to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Thunder, episode 59, from Orlando, Florida. 15th of April, 1999, getting a 3.2 rating. Uh, Lee, uh, going into this show, uh, it's hard to believe nearly 60 episodes of Thunder <laughs> under our belts so far. Is it though? <laughs> how, how are you feeling? Um... I was gonna save it later, but this may have been the thunder that broke me. Really? Yeah. Huh. Now, it could also have been circumstance. So it's you know, it has Yeah. Cause you know, here's the thing, is that I came out with this thunder pretty jazzed. Like, not like, oh holy hell, what a killer show, but like I came out of it going, I didn't hate that. I quite enjoyed and the episodes. Was... But yeah. I also fell asleep four times watching it. You did, yes. Okay, so there's definitely one bit that that broke us both. Um, but you know, we'll get into it. But I was kind of like, Do you know, that was a perfect, perfectly serviceable two hours of television. Mm-hmm. And there's probably people listening to this going, "Ah, fuck, they didn't hate it." Um, the 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 people that have come to see us suffer. But I was kind of, I, I was saying this in the Discord earlier today. We have a channel on the the Voices of Wrestling Discord. Join there today, uh, to to join in with the chat with us. But I was saying that like, whenever I I find myself enjoying something on Thunder, I I start to doubt myself now because we've been doing this so long. Like, am I am I watching this and actually liking it? Or have I got such WCW brain worms from doing this for three years that I just can't discern quality anymore? Well, well, the easiest way to answer that is, Dave, do you go on Twitter and defend Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo at all turns? I absolutely do not. 
Um, the other thing that maybe righted my sail on this one was realizing that uh, when I got to a certain promo on this show, I was well aware of how bad it was. Okay. So my 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 finely honed instincts are still in there somewhere. They're not quite look Lanza level finely honed instincts, <laughs> but they're um, they're not completely broken either yet. So so there is that. Look, you're, you're saying people are probably cursing that we didn't hate the show. There's a lot to dislike on this show. There you go. This is is quite a lot. Um, But (laughs) But let's get into it. It's not the worst episode. That's all I'll say. But Mm. I um so (laughs) something I had even though this is I think the third show with it, I had already forgotten that we were on the uh, the kind of the modern WCW swoosh logo, and it's weird. And I, I think I kind of alluded to this when we started the first show with this, even though. It's it's emblematic of the death rattle era of WCW. There's something cheerily familiar about it as well. Because obviously this is around the time that I start watching WCW. So that WCW logo ident and that kind of yeah. uh, sound effect. There's something of the rose tinted glasses about it for me. I don't know, because you're a guy that wasn't tuned into this era of WCW do I sound like a completely crazy person or do you kind of do you recognise that feeling in other things you watch oh no I, I absolutely I was watching like I said before I wasn't every week or whatever like later on into 99 but like this time I was definitely in still watching like when they changed mm. the whole yeah. sets and stuff like that Um, yeah, I was still watching so I definitely do have some nostalgia for, for this little era here I'll get less fond of um the kind of the, the set and the logo nostalgia when we get to the next iteration of Nitro, which is just the kind of like metal awning and a white sheet. Which yeah, which I thought is just like the most fucking uh, look, you know, let's not jump the gun on that, but it's bullshit anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Tony uh or no sorry, Tanay, um opens the show by describing Orlando as uh, the home of every conceivable theme park known to man. There's something as well. You want to talk about a hit of nostalgia? Mike Tanay welcoming us to a television program based out of Orlando. Yeah. Just feels right. Just feels right, right doesn't, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, tnachad.com. So today says that Larry has been going through kudos withdrawals for weeks, having not been in front of a live crowd, and he needed to acknowledge the fans. So Roman has been watching his uh, Larry Zbysko tapes as well. He should. Um, God, I thought, I thought right for stretches of the show, I didn't think Larry was horrible, but this, this opening bit from Larry where he makes this incredibly pained reference to obviously there must have been a tax hike under President Clinton recently where he's talking about uh, oh it's tax day isn't it yeah it's tax day but DDP is a modern day Robin Hood also I guess are, are we just now all agreeing as an audience to completely memory hole that DDP was a heel until like two weeks ago yeah he was a heel for about two weeks and now he's back to just fighting the NWO again and being a good wife guy yeah uh, yeah, do you know what? Like, I didn't want to turn heel in the first place, so I- I'm good with it. I just don't see why we needed to waste that time in the process. I feel like his title win would have been considerably hotter 
and uh, if he didn't more enthusiastically received. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you didn't muddy the waters, or if there'd been any build really whatsoever. Um, opening match here is Buff Bagwell versus El Vampiro. Um, Larry here, uh, absolutely playing a blinder as he um, he talks about Tanae being very well informed, burying Tony Schiavone for being less knowledgeable than him, but also in the very same sentence pr- pronounces Vampiro's name wrong. Yeah, that's Larry. Yeah, uh, Larry tonight with the names. Oh, there's there's one I'll talk about later, but it's, yeah. Um, Larry does a lot of guys on this show a disservice when he's being bad. Like, this wasn't his worst night we've covered him on. But, uh, yeah, when he's when he's bad, he's real bad. Larry is a great example of don't have wrestlers as commentators because all they want to do is get themselves over. Mm. Uh, Buff Bagwell is, is firmly back in full Buff Daddy mode. He's got the music. Now he's got the hat. Um, I, so it's... It, I, I, yeah. think, I think we should have more top hats in wrestling. We should, shouldn't we? But like regular sized top hats. I, I did hate when, when Tony Storm had the tiny top hat. Oh in, yeah, uh, no, no. They have to, they have to be yeah. like either excessively large or just regular. Yeah. Oh no, I would like like an excessively large one. Yeah, like like just really long. And like, but, yeah. Oh, like the proper like um, stovepipe, Lincoln stovepipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that, I do. I, I, that that that. I think somebody could bring that back. Okay, D- tell me, give me two wrestlers that could pull that off. Hmm. Who could pull off a stovepipe? I'll tell you. I know who who I think possibly could. Matt Classic. Oh yeah, but Matt Classic. That's a good one. Um, the butcher. No, he he'd have a regular. With, he'd have a regular with the, sized one. I just see with the chops, with the mutton chops. I'm thinking that would look good with a stovepipe. Didn't Daniel Day Lewis have a a top hat like just regular sized top hat and the ruby blood? Yeah, I think it was a regular sized top hat. So I could see that working with the butcher. Yeah, going full Daniel Plainview. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't. Th- I can't offhand. Th- I had another one there. Um, I think Danhausen could show up just one week, with just an excessively large hat. I I could see Danhausen like popping out of a human being sized stovepipe hat mm. apparatus. Um, yeah, uh, leave that one in the the capable the capable hands of the Thunder Buddies to let us know what current day wrestler. Could pull off um, a, a stovepipe hat. Um, well, you, you do know that Abe Lincoln was a wrestler of his day. Yeah, a very successful, a great, yeah, great promo as well. Got to be said, the Gettysburg promo popped a huge number. <laughs> um, so uh, Buff is all posing and taunting uh, at the very start here, and I love Vampiro is just like. To say he was not impressed, like Vampiro was slung, had his like his elbows resting on the top rope, facing away from as he's doing it, and then turns around and he's like, are, are you done? Uh, I did enjoy that. Well, Vampiro um, was just pissed off that he wasn't wearing a loincloth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tanae talks about Charles Robinson beefing with Randy Savage. Uh, which gave me, there was this feeling I had for a couple of seconds when they started talking about this. I had this pit in my stomach, yeah. Lee. 
and I couldn't quite place it. And then they, they said it. it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you unaware, at the upcoming Slamboree 1999, we are going to have the classic ring encounter of referee Charles Robinson versus just recently introduced valet Gorgeous George. Oh, no, no, you're not even describing it correctly. It's your woman versus mine. Yes. It's the way Randy Savage proposes the match to Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. Tanae, with the most uh, liberal use of the phrase, quite a matchup. Mm -hmm. Vampiro is controlling a lot of this match, um, which I really like. And it's another one of those times where you see him up against Buff and you're like, Vampiro was a huge human being. He's a really big dude, yeah. Um, like he's not he's not significant like he's obviously not more jacked than Buff but his frame is significantly mm-hmm. larger than Buff and he's not that much taller than him but he feels much bigger I think people people do forget just how big of a human he actually is it's the whole Billy Gunn effect yeah people don't realise in the land of the giants how big Billy Gunn is until he's you know not yeah. surrounded by huge people and because obviously now, like, you know, he's 20-some years older and he's had, like, significant health issues and things like that. Like, he he does appear smaller and he's more hunched mm. and stuff like that now. But this is him at 31 years old and he's uh, yeah, he's fucking massive. I, I, um, watching this match reminded, reminded me of why I was so drawn to, to Vampiro when he first came into the company. He's just he's such a breath just, of fresh air. He's just so different from everything else. And I think, I don't want to give 1999 WCW too much credit, but I feel like early on they knew he was something different because mm-hmm. he's never a guy, like he's not like exactly on a winning streak here. But I think every time we've seen him, even if he's losing, he's... They're they're doing all they can to get him over as like a serious threat. Like he felt like a serious threat to Buff here, mm-hmm. who really should be breezing through newer dudes at this point because he's you know just broken off from the NWO, going for this like babyface run, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but yeah, Vampiro looks incredibly credible here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Buff is back on top in the match. He attempts a ten punch. He gets dropped on the turnbuckle. Um. And then, yeah, it's like at the tenth punch, he gets dropped on the turnbuckle, and then it's back to Vampiro on top. Uh, he's getting cut off over and over again as he makes comebacks. He reverses a suplex attempt, slingshot, power slam, lariat. Um, he goes off the top. Yeah, oh, this is a really cool. He goes off the top for like a double axe handle or something, and lands perfectly into an atomic drop from Vamp. Uh, I like good. that. Yeah. Uh, Vampire goes for a top rope Frankensteiner, but Buff holds on, blockbuster, and a win. Uh, yeah, like I said, Lee, I, I thought Vampire looked really good here. I, I actually thought the two of them looked well. I love the blockbuster yeah. as a finish. Uh, it's a great finish, yeah. Again, just totally different to anyone else in the company. Um, and just so yeah. unique for a, a guy the size of Buff to be doing a move like that. Yeah. It's it's so seldom post neck injury that we get a really solid buff singles match. 
Um, but yeah, um, like it's nothing to go out of your way to watch on VOD, but it was did the business. I I, I enjoyed it. Next up, uh, <laughs> something that didn't do the business: uh, Wrath versus Jerry Flynn. Uh, most impressive thing in this match, Lee, uh, Jerry Flynn's rug. His Im- impressive jungle of body hair. <laughs> he just doesn't care anymore, Dave. No, it's full, like, Tom Selleck hairy chest. Mm-hmm. Um, impressive. Um, Jerry doesn't last long in this match. He, like, he has, a, like, a little flurry of offense, but then Wrath hits him with a huge flying tackle. Uh, rolls him out of the ring, whips him into the rail, uh, breaks the count... Uh, Tanae has an injury update on Hogan during this. Uh, he's going to have surgery next week on an MCL injury with Dr. Andrews. Flynn musters a clothesline that floors Wrath on the outside, gets whipped into the rail, blocks a punch. Uh, they get back in the ring and Wrath goes to do a clothesline off the top rope, Lee. And this is where it all falls apart. Yeah, he he legit hurts his is it his knee or his ankle. He ruptured his ACL. Is that what that was? Yeah, he is out for one year after this match. What do you? He chronic? doesn't. He doesn't return until Chronic in two thousand. Pretty, it's it's to the month. He returns in April two thousand. At least I have something to look for. Oh yeah, because it's the reboot. That's right. Yeah. So like on like. How you do your ACL this badly on a diving clothesline off the top where, like, he wasn't, he was landing on his front, not on his, like, he wasn't landing in a standing position off it. Big dude does unnatural thing, hurts himself. It's it's just one of those crazy, you know, wrestlers do the, the scariest things in the world and, mm-hmm. and walk away fine and then they do something simple and their leg falls off. And it's a move we've seen him do plenty of times is that flying clothesline. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, um, I love that in spite of knowing that he's badly injured, he just couldn't put Jerry Flynn over. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, Tanae wonders, yeah, like such bad timing for Tanae to do his little talking point he's done before about wondering why the championship committee won't give Wrath a shot. Well, Tanae, you won't have to worry about that anymore because this is the last time that he'll go by Wrath on this show. Oh yeah, um, it's the end of Wrath. Yeah, it is. Um... As they brawl into the aisle, the ref throws the match out. This was clearly an audible mm-hmm. because he could not put any weight no, on his he leg. Was struggling badly. They are trying to do brawling outside. He is limping so badly trying to do it. Um, I think all he could do was drag the leg. I think Jerry Flynn just at once just walks away from him just like, dude, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. He's, Rath is trying to keep going and they're like very gingerly brawling up the ramp but then Jerry is just finally like, oh, fuck it. Although I will say at one point Jerry is trying to like, they're trying to make, turn the injury into a work and he laces a couple of kicks into the actual leg he's after blowing out and I was like, Jerry. Come on. Jerry, man. come on. <laughs> um, we should say it's also during this match or during the entrances possibly that we find out that at Slambury, it's DDP versus Kevin Ash for the World Heavyweight title. That's a big one. Quite literally. It's the uh, the future insiders S- gone one-on-one. I was going to say, speaking of blown-out knees. Uh, <laughs> um, it's interesting because they make a point a couple of times in this show about how many people are on the shelf at the moment. 
Um, and I suppose we hadn't had time to reflect on that. Like Hogan is out for a couple months. I think he's out till the end of the summer. Lex has been out since January. Is it till, oh, it's not till the end of the summer, is it? And I, I think it's till till July. Well, I thought the Hulk... When's the Hulk Hogan come back? Here. It is... I thought it was the end of May. He may not wrestle then, though. He may be back on TV. I think he comes, he comes back and does like the Hulk, Hulk Hogan return. Because I was I was looking at this um the other day because I was just like definitely not all these NWO people they're talking about are actually injured because, and it's true because in in that lump uh, of names from the NWO that today keeps talking about are injured he lists Scott Steiner Scott Steiner wrestled on the Nitro that just happened and he's on Nitro the following week definitely not injured <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah because ho- we are ho- by the way we 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 are officially by the way uh, according to Cage Match. Uh, by the next time he wrestles, actually no, we already are. We are already in the last one hundred matches of Hulk Hogan's career. Wow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's gone till July. Okay, is it July? Jesus. He 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 was in the the title match that DDP won, and then he's gone until um he beat Savage on Nitro for the belt. In his comeback. Yeah, it must be in Jacksonville. Holy fuck. Nitro one ninety nine. I thought he came back for a tag match and that's the the return of Hulk Hogan. Are you thinking of the cause he does a couple returns? Possibly. Like he returns a couple of times over, uh, between now and in the end of his stint. Um yeah, it doesn't really bear thinking about. Anyway. Um yeah, I think yeah, but Scott isn't injured. Lex they Luger mentioned isn't injured. Lex, no, Lex Luger is. Oh, is he? Lex Luger has been. Lex Luger has already been out for a while, but this is the first time anyone acknowledged it. It's like he's on TV, but yeah, he he's is. Been on TV he does, and he's been physical. He does. He doesn't have a match again for a little while after this, so he's he's out with something. Um, Drugs. and then I can't remember. Oh, Scott Hall obviously is is gone. Um, but yeah, they just talk about like the the ranks of the NWO, the non geek division are ten. Uh, really struggling um what do we got up next here oh god out of the frying pan into the fire meng versus horace hogan yeah uh, one bonus we were firmly in big pants meng era <laughs> um what i will say is this is a uh, the type of match that you just absolutely adore it's a uh, punch kick special yeah, you know how much I love it. Now, I look, I, I unironically love the, the greatest no-bump match of all time that is Meng versus Giant from Nitro that time. Um, but this this was dog shit terrible. Yeah, I mean, Horace going blow for blow with Meng is uh, certainly a choice. Mm. Um, Larry, by the way, two matches on from when he first talked about it, is still moaning about Charles Robinson. Uh, Tanae reminds us that Stevie Ray is now the king of the geeks because he won that uh, power of the NWO black and white battle royal uh, two weeks ago Uh, all the while they're talking about anything but the match Uh, Meng is just beating Horace pillar to post here and rightfully so Uh, outside the ring Horace gets up ahead of steam but he ends up eating the rail he tries to match Meng for strikes which is just just a 
just a poor idea. And uh, Meng is just doing Meng things, by which I mean no selling and just beating the shit out of him, mm-hmm. stiffing him left, right, and center. Uh, inside the ring, Meng hits a power slam, uh, stomps and chokes on the ground. Uh, then we hit what I think might be the new worst suicide dive of all time uh, from Horace here at one point. Um, Horace hits a suplex, which he thinks is going to be enough to put away the man who doesn't sell anything. Uh, rope break. Ming hits uh, one of the worst roll-ups I may have ever seen for a two-count. Corner clothesline, uh, running clothesline, and my jaw dropped as Horace Hogan was permitted to do the family leg drop. Uh, and also Meng kicked out at two. You say permitted. Yeah. Well, I guess Hogan wasn't there, yeah. so... You know, fill your boots, mate. Uh, but do you know what? For all the dog shit this was, I kind of love the finish. The sunset flip into the Tongan decor. Yeah. So, like, he... Horace attempts a sunset flip, and Meng stands up straight, blocks it, and Horace is still trying with all his might to pull Meng over into the sunset flip, and he won't give up. And Meng is posing there for a second, and it's like everyone in the crowd knows do, what's going to happen. The wavy arms, yeah. Yeah, and he holds it, and then boom, with the Tongan yeah. death grip, and, and Horace taps out. Uh, look, it was a terrible match, but uh, I, I, I did pop for that finish. Um, can I talk about the real, um, the real uh, controversy of this match, Lee? Of course, yeah. What in the hell was that triple square patty Wendy's hamburger that they showed during the replay? Okay, I I didn't take note of it. I did take note of it when I was watching. Um, Yes. I don't get what these Wendy burgers are. It's like a triple stack or something they call it, don't they? Is it, are they, um, is the square patty a standard at Wendy's? I think that's a Wendy's thing, yeah. Okay, I have never been to Wendy's. So this was like some sort of triple stack. It was part of the Wendy's classic slam of the show. And it wasn't even a slam. It was a tongue and death grip of the show. But uh, yeah, I was... Appalled. I was equal parts appalled and besotted by this burger. It's like, I'm horrified that it exists. But would I want to try one? Impossible. I don't like the idea of the burger being outside the bun. The whole point of the bun is to contain the Mm. contents. Mm-hmm. This is true. But I I do... I said this is probably the worst of both worlds because I was about to say, like, I prefer a burger that goes wider than higher because I hate the burgers where you have to, like, nearly dislocate your jaw to try and get a bite out mm. of it. But this is kind of both because it's three patties and it's sticking out of the bun. Yeah. So, like, whether you hate high burgers or wide burgers, you're having a fucking shit time. Like, by the time you get into the bun, like, it's just... Yeah. You will have eaten over, like, half of it. And even though I say I'm a little bit besotted and might try this this triple decker thing, we've had the triple whopper here for for many years in in Burger Kings in Ireland, and uh, I will not partake. And that's not just because of my <laughs> spicy Burger King takes from behind the paywall <laughs> last week. As we learned last week, uh, not a fan of the Burger King. That it's not not a fan. It's just I've never I've never had one where I've gone that was a fucking great Burger King. Again, I'm not gonna t- I'm not gonna touch your Burger King opinions here. 
Yeah, you don't want to be tired yeah. of this. Now, now that we're out from behind the paywall, I shouldn't be sharing this spice because I was getting enough shit for it behind uh, the paywall at a alargemanappears.com. Which, by the way, uh, since our last show uh, on the free feed, we now own alargemanappears.com. It directs you to our Patreon page, which I couldn't be prouder and also more ashamed of that we own that now. <laughs> Just think of how many people are going to Google that largemanappears.com. I know. I, I was surprised it wasn't taken. Yes, that's right, my friends. It's Dave coming to you from the edit bay in the middle of the night, which means it must be time to talk about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And you're saying to me, Dave, I've heard you say this before. Why are you reminding us about the great offers at HelloFresh yet again? Well, I say this to you, my friend. The days are getting shorter. The nights are getting longer. You're coming home from work. It's already dark. The kids are going back to school. They're an absolute nightmare when they come home. You're getting tired. The last thing you want is to think, oh, I have to go out to the store. I have to get ingredients. I have to put the dinner together. It's just going to take a couple of hours. We all get a bit lazy at this time of year. It's perfectly understandable. You're human. I'm human. But you know what? Our friends at HelloFresh are here to make things just that bit easier for you. Gear up for the busy fall season with 55 plus weekly options and take the stress out of meal planning and prepping. From family friendly, fit and wholesome and even veggie, HelloFresh has tasty and nutritious meals sure to please everyone. Getting back into the fall season can be busy, but weeknights can be made so much easier with foolproof, step-by-step recipes ready in around 30 minutes or less. I don't know about you guys, but I get home at about, oh, 9pm in the evening. And if I had my pre-portioned ingredients ready to go for dinner, my God, that just makes things a little bit easier, you know. Especially when I've got Stagger Lee Malone waiting for me to get on the blower to him to record another episode of his podcast days the thunder how can you avail of this offer well my friends i shall tell you you go to hellofresh.com slash vow16 and when you're there use the code vow16 that's going to get you 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts i'll say that one more time it's hellofresh.com slash vow16 code vow16 while you're there for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts it's really too good to let that opportunity pass you by. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Back to the show. So uh, our next segment here has uh, Flair and Aaron with their butler, Charles Robinson. So we've just completely abandoned any pretense uh, towards subtlety in this angle. Yes. Because there had been a whole... They had been riding the line, so to speak, of... Okay, we don't know for sure he's being favorable towards Flair, but it sure seems like it. And you know, he's not saying anything about it, but we know he do- he's a huge Flair fan and his license plates and and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now he's literally waiting on Flair and Iron Hand and Feet. Yeah, he's literally just pouring the drinks. Um, yeah, yeah. So we've gone from and and taking his calls. In fairness, yeah, we we've gone from. Ric Flair abusing his power as world heavyweight champion to Ric Flair is an actual insane madman who was in control of the company. Yeah. Um, a couple of funny moments in here. So um, 
a woman named Georgia from Turner is in to get Flair to just sign a bunch of contracts. Um, and this woman who is clearly not a plant, like she's clearly just a normal off, might legitimately have been someone from Turner that was there to do some paperwork that day and they just hauled her on screen. Um, like she was so out of her depth and Flair is like trying to crack on to her in the middle of it and she is like not somebody who is ready to be on camera and do some ad-libbing with Nate she's just like not yeah, giving him no anything whatsoever totally, yeah. yeah um so Flair then <laughs> Flair then demands from uh from Charles Robinson the incredibly difficult task of bringing him one postage stamp by next week yeah he doesn't want to sign things anymore he just wants to stamp things yeah uh Aaron goes uh crazy at Flair um, because Flair isn't reading the contract uh, and he's like this has gotten us in trouble before like you rushing into things and things like that uh, you need to read the contract and he was just like what this is in I think I can't believe Aaron and Flair didn't both crack at uh, Flair saying the wrong thing here where he goes why should I I'm the president of the United States Pause. The WCW. <laughs> well, I think I think that was supposed to be there because that's the whole thing of he genuinely is a insane person um, who thinks he's in control, in control of the whole country. Uh, him and Aaron's back and forth in this segment was the new most Trailer Park Boys segment in WCW history I think uh, it just had that energy of Ricky and Julian I, lo- I feel I loved Aaron's reaction of trying to look through the paperwork as Flair is signing it mm. try desperately um, to catch up and make sure he hasn't like signed away a kidney um, um, what, what do you, next up what, what do you think of uh, who's a better um, president is it Ric Flair in WCW or is it Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Simpsons movie Oh, that's a tough call. Um, I mean, I'm going to have to go with Arnie because I've still only watched the Simpsons movie once or twice, but I've uh, I've had to endure President Flair for <laughs> fucking months of podcasting here. Fair. So, fair. yeah. Um, what do we got up next here? We've got Mikey Whipwreck versus Disco Inferno. Uh, Tanae describes Disco as musically challenged. Uh, and then Larry, in the start of, I think, dedicated character assassination of Mikey Whipwreck, uh, starts this segment by um, describing him as dressing like his Polish aunts um, and then proceeds to repeatedly, over the course of not a long match, forget Mikey's name. Well, I mean, Mikey came from the ECW and... Mm. Obviously, our, our uh, Larry does not respect anyone that came from the mm. ECW. Uh, in a moment of these guys have taken their eyes off the ball, they're talking about how Disco isn't dancing and how focused he is on beating his opponent since he joined the NWO. As NWO. he's dancing, as mm-hmm. he is dancing at that, like at that exact moment, as they're saying it, but they're like, "Fuck it, this is our talking point." We're just going to keep saying it. Well, is uh, Disco still in the NWO because he no longer has the NWO sting on his music or is wearing an NWO shirt? This is true. Um, 
We are back from the break, and Mikey has an opportunity to get some damage in. Uh, he does what is a very uncomfortable-looking Russian leg sweep yeah. that smacks both their heads into the railing. Yeah, uh, not didn't good. like that not at all. <laughs> uh, throws him back at the ring. Slingshot Snapmare uh, was like a good idea that looked horrible in execution. Um, he then does uh, kind of redeems it a little because Disco's head is hanging out kind of through the ropes onto the apron and he does a slingshot leg drop onto the apron, which looks good. Um, it's a really sloppy match, Lee, but one thing I will say, and you know I hate giving him credit, Disco does have legitimate heel heat at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he does. For for all his faults, the WCW fans were, were never... Um, he was never not interesting to the people that were there. Like, he always got reaction mm-hmm. one way or another. Um, I... Yeah. It's not a pairing I would ever have thought to put together. Disco and Mikey, mm-hmm. I just don't think it would work, and obviously it didn't. Um, yeah, but look, Disco needed a win, so yeah. Um, in a a moment that I think was te- trying to personally test me, um, Disco does a very obnoxious disco dance that makes me hate him, followed by a gorgeous swinging neck breaker mm-hmm. and you know how much I love my swinging neck breakers friend um, Disco is kind of playing with his food here instead of pinning him he's just um, he's just taunting and I kind of thought oh are they setting it up so that Mikey get, you know he's getting too cocky and this teaches him the lesson that he really does need to focus on his opponents um, today uh, mentions in something that I really would have liked to have seen a replay of that Kimberly took Scott Steiner's head off with a chair on Monday and it also reminds me that we haven't seen one replay of what sounds like a very eventful yeah. Nitro on this show <laughs> and here's something Lee we would get one replay later on in the show right it feels so weird to demand more replays but I, I do think there is a balance. Mm-hmm. Am, am I wrong? No, no, you're right. You're like, right. They've definitely overdone it on some shows where we're basically, why didn't we just watch Nitro? But this is like, it's feast or famine. It's And this is one of those weeks where like, they constantly refer to what sounds like cool stuff that happened in Nitro, but you, they won't fucking show you. It It's that whole thing of, um, because there was no... There was no real boss. There was no way to, to like keep things consistent. Um, and again, it's also the thing of they just wanted people to watch on a Monday. And if that means we don't show you what happened on Thursday, well, you'll just have to watch on Monday. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was just like very disappointing when I, when that kind of penny dropped in my head. Um, Mikey hits a neckbreaker of his own. That gets a near fall. Uh, Disco what did you think of this finish Lee so Disco gets uh, ducks a clothesline uh, grabs Mikey in a scorpion death drop position and then twists out of that into a last dance Hate it. yeah it's it's it feels like he's trying to do the DDP thing yeah he, he sees that the, the diamond cutter arrow nowhere is getting over or has, yeah. has gotten over and uh, he's trying to do his own version of that 
and it's just clunky. It just doesn't work with the with the stunner. The stunner is the boot. Yeah. You have just boot stunner. That that's what works. Yeah. Yeah. Don't uh when something is already that good, like there there's no need to to fuck with it anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um Yeah. Uh I didn't care for it. Um the other thing, so Disco is doing this thing now when he's doing his disco dances that he's doing like very aggressive kind of stomps as he's doing it and I was kind of like it was very much like Job, Lindsay and George Sr. doing the chicken dance I felt like Michael was like has this man ever seen disco dancing? It was not characterized by it's like aggressive Stomping, stomping around um fucking weird as shit um anyway uh me and gene is here with uh the geeks stevie vincent adams and horace uh i will say this uh now that he is the undisputed leader or so we think of nwo black and white stevie ray you know if you were to choose one out of these stevie ray is the one who looks a cut above both like as more physically imposing than the rest of them and in terms of, you know, didn't lick it off the side of the road with that brother of his, his gear is mm-hmm. just on a different level from the other guys. Yeah. Um, So you, you can't kind of, uh, you can't criticize him for that. You can't criticize him for that. What I can criticize him for is the fact that four times I fell asleep watching this promo. Four uh, separate Lee, times. As, as soon as you said that, I said, you know what? I'm not even going to go to my notes. I'm going to sit back and much like as if this was a Blitzkrieg match, I am going to hand over to you to recount uh, the promo, but also your battle with the Sandman, not Hack, uh, as you try to watch this promo. Um, Yeah, so like, normally I watch the shows a day or two before we record. So, I was ahead of myself two days in advance. Um, We've been kind of having some sleepless nights recently with the with the baby having the uh, teething issues so i said oh look i'll get ahead of things have the show watched so that if we can record at the last minute some night we can get the show done and all good no no i sat down on sunday evening to watch the show uh, i had literally just finished i think i was eating a sandwich or something um I was sat straight up, wasn't lying down, wasn't like in a comfortable position. I was sat on the on the corner of the sofa, just sitting up. Stevie Ray came on came on the screen, start talking about uh, how the NWO are no Keystone Cops, and I fell asleep. Which is like, <laughs> it was that your body had such a violent reaction to this lie that yeah. it just turned off the lights. So I I fell asleep. I proceeded to wake up a bit stunned and unaware of where I was. Realised I'd fell asleep sitting up. So I said, no, it's still relatively early in the night. It was before one o'clock in the morning. I was like, right, I'll go back. There's only half an hour of the show left. I'll go back and watch it. So I went back, restarted the uh, segment again. They're all in the ring. Stevie Ray starts talking about how the NWR are here to police the uh, wrestling industry like they were supposed to. And I fell asleep. It was at that point when I woke up again an hour later that I decided to call it a night. 
It's, it's another episode of The Simpsons with the Hell Satans, where Homer like keeps walking into the bar to give them a piece of his mind, and then like just scene jumps yes. and he's just unconscious outside the bar again. That that was me in this promo, yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, it was the next night then that uh, we it, that 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 night that I went to bed. Uh, I proceeded to get all of forty minutes sleep. Um, and I informed Dave that I still hadn't watched the show because I'd been up all night. So unprofessional! Oh, it's incredible that my child will keep me awake. Um, yeah. So I went to work, did a day's work, came home, decided, Grant, so I've got thirty minutes of the show to watch. I'll go. I'll go from the promo, and it won't take long. So sat down. Well, I should say I I had the baby. Got her to sleep about nine thirty, so it was like right, Grant. Plenty of time. It's still early in the night. I'll get the show watched. I'll go to bed early. Sat down. Everyone else was in bed at this point. Connor was in bed. Jen was in bed. Grant, I've got thirty minutes. If it ta- if it takes me forty minutes to watch the show, that's fine. Take a few notes. Start the segment. Stevie's talking about the no Keystone Cops. They're here to police the NWO. Hogan's not got it anymore because he's got a bum knee and I fell asleep it, it's got to be said as well like <clears throat> you kind of alluded to it there the like these shows when you look at them on the network or whatever are like an hour 26 mm-hmm. an hour 30 but it takes us a, like falling asleep borderline narcolepsy aside um, it, it takes us a good like two and a half hours to watch oh, yeah. them because yeah. we, we pause so frequently for notes. Because mm-hmm. you got you got to take notes of what people are saying and doing and stuff you notice in mm. the background. Um, so I fell asleep again. Literally just, I think it was like the next line in the promo. So I woke up. I can't even remember what time of the night it was. I was like, fuck, it happened again. So I went, I went, turned on the this the heating in the house it was cold it was the middle of the night uh, proceeded to go back again to the promo and I don't even think I got to the point where they start talking and I was back asleep on the couch and I then proceeded to watch the last 35 minutes of the show about 2 hours before we started recording here today and let me tell you for all the effort I put in for this fucking promo it was not worth it I, I should have just skipped the segment yeah, were were you like when you went to it uh, a fifth time? Were you afraid that it was just going to happen again? One hundred percent. Were you starting to get genuinely afraid that there was something about this promo? I I thought this that was tr- hit, triggering, yeah, tr- triggering, tr- triggering. Um, it was the fucking um, what's the words in Captain America: the Winter Soldier. Like, just there's a, just oh, a series yeah. of words that are just triggering me to fall asleep. So you're activated like the Manchurian candidate <laughs> over there. They want us to take the black and white seriously, and that's just too much for my brain to... <laughs> nope, sorry. <laughs> Shut down. Um, I mean, I gotta say I respect it. Listen, of all the things to break me, I did not expect it to be a Stevie Ray promo. Yeah. Uh, God damn. But, 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 when I did get through it eventually, I realised... That this is one of two incredibly significant moments in the history of our podcast. 
Oh? I don't know if you know this. Okay. Or if you noticed this during the promo. But we have the first ever reference to a fruit booty. Ah, yes, I did notice that. Um, and if you don't like that phrase, I would not recommend watching much of Stevie Ray for the next two years. I believe Stevie Ray describes DDP as a low-down, modern-day beatnik fruit booty. Yes, he does indeed. And he then I proceeds to have... threaten to pimp slap two people tonight if he brings yes. Kimberly to the ring. <laughs> he uh, he makes reference to something else here, Lee, that I wanted to bring up. Um, he, they're talking about their boy, Scott Norton. He, <laughs> he would be here tonight, but he's currently on his way over to beat up 15 Japanese guys or something and bring back the IWGP heavyweight title. Lee... Was was this was Scott Norton going to be in the G one? Is that that what he was doing? No, no, Lee, Lee, he would not go to Japan for another two months after this. He was on Nitro next week. Oh, okay. So, did, but apparently he was in Japan beating up fifteen men, winning the title, and then coming back this week. So did Stevie? Somebody just tell Stevie a lie and just say, "Ah, oh, Norton's in Japan. He couldn't be here tonight." Right. Or he got hit on the head and thought it was like six or eight months ago, whenever it was, that he actually was IWGP heavyweight champion in uh, WCW. Um, Maybe Stevie Ray had been going around telling people that he beat the IWGP champion in a battle royal. Also, I gotta say, um, in a move that made me laugh quite a bit, he reminded everybody that he, you know, after threatening DDP and threatening Kimberly that he has backup in the form of those guys around him. I was like, backup? For Kimberly? I think he calls Brian Adams the thumper. He does. He calls Horace the H-bomb. Yeah, he does. He sure does. And then just refers to Vincent as Vincent. Yeah, well. Uh, I mean, he doesn't bring much else to the table. He certainly is Vincent. They're not all winners. (laughs) No, not in this group, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I just love that, you know, he's just like, I want everybody to know that I've got these three guys to help me in case this guy's wife decides to rough me up. Uh, <laughs> well, he, very funny he did indeed. see that she decapitated Scott Steiner on Nitro, so. Um, next up, we have uh, a tag team match uh, featuring uh, Lee's favorite tag team and also Perry Saturn and Raven. It's Perry Saturn and Raven versus Disorderly Conduct. That's right. Mean Mike and Tough Tom, aka Salty Sally, are back. <laughs> I actually kind of watched this part of the show with me. He watched like the last couple of segments. And uh, when they came out, I said, do you, do you know who they are? And he's like, no. I said, that's a tag team called Disorderly Conduct. Do, do you know their names? He's no, no, I never heard of them. I was like, uh, I said, right, well, one is named Mean Mike, and he proceeded to give me the most withering look. And I said, no, no, legitimately, <laughs> Mean Mike and his tag team partner is Tough Tom. And he goes, is this a squash match? I said, no, but it should be, son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that that he's aware of where where their place should be without ever having seen them. And that's before you even got into how Tough Tom spells tough. Yeah, I mean, wait, wait till he gets into the lore of uh, high voltage. Oh my god! <laughs> when he hears about Robbie Royd, yeah. 
Um, Raven's on the mic. He says, I don't have much to say. What about him? What about Raven? Saturn says, indubitably. <laughs> Which did get a laugh out of me, I gotta say. I, lo- I-, I love that whole sentence. Uh, Raven's like, uh, or the whole problem with Raven's like, I haven't had much to say the past couple of weeks. And I don't really have much to say right now. Other than, what about me? <laughs> what about Raven? And he goes, my, yeah. uh, what's it? He what's he calling it? Is it? My colleague. My colleague here may have stuff to say. Do you have anything to say? He's like, indubitably. <laughs> yeah. I wish to accessorize my new attire with the world tag team titles. <laughs> yeah. So they just, so, like, so the, in the most. To answer our question from earlier on, Perry Saturn could bring back a top hat. Yes. Oh, he definitely could. <laughs> Um. Yeah, they uh they were just having some fun here, the boys, and uh, you know I can't blame them too much for that because I had fun watching them. Um, we should say Raven, who is now a Impact Hall of Famer. Yes, that did is you see true. that great video package and, they did? No, I didn't. Are you being are you being sarcastic? No, they, they really did a good video package oh, for him on Impact. Oh. I I saw that he hit one last uh, even flow on Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, he turned on him one last time just because. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's do you know what perfect Bravo. yeah Bravo. <laughs> absolutely if that is the last thing we see Raven do in professional <laughs> wrestling turn on Tommy Dreamer it's just perfect fair play to them for that I must look up that video package Um, can I ask you a question Lee of course did these big eejits meaning disorderly conduct always have such divorced facial hair no I don't think so Possibly. Like, it was proper they turned the wins against us. <laughs> Facial hair, like... Do you think these two... St- it's proper you should be lucky to get weekend visitation hair. <laughs> Come on, we go to McDonald's kids kind of thing, like... Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think these two started out as fresh-faced, full of hope on Saturday nights in, like, 1995? I don't know. I can't imagine these men looking any younger than about forty-five. That that's a good uh, point. Uh, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out now. I want Aaron to uh, our friend Aaron Quinn to tell us when the first appearance of disorderly conduct was in WCW television. Because <laughs> Lord knows you don't want that in your cage match search history. <laughs> um. So I think it's a solid minute into this match before Tanae is like, oh yeah, this is disorderly conduct, which just goes to show you where they are in the uh, the totem pole at the moment. Yeah, but Tanae does Saturday night, so he's used to seeing them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, double team and a very nonchalant cover from Perry Saturn. Uh, I really love, it's such a jobber thing that their tights say mean and tough. <laughs> so, I guess, I suppose, like, it's either that or they say Tom and Mike. <laughs> See, they say mean and tough because they might go to another territory and change their name. Yeah, but I just can't get over the T-U-F-F. It's just... Too tough. It's the like most too, fucking... Rude. Too tough Tony. That that was the most popular one. In the indies in the late 90s, too tough Tony. Every time fucking you'd start the e- EWR and you know you'd look for new recruits, you'd always see too tough Tony uh, at the top. T- today he gets into his rock and roll theorizing here as he says that uh, he could understand people being behind Raven in Tacoma the other week because, you know, grunge music. And he said, but you know what? We're here in Tacoma this week and the people are really starting to love Raven. They love him here as well. Um, This match has 
like negative heat, Lee, mm-hmm. because there is not one person in this building, even if the uh, tough and mean families are in attendance, believing for one second that disorderly conduct we're going to win this. Do you think their kids went to school and you know you know my kids do the whole my dad could beat up your dad. Yeah. My dad's real tough. Did, T-U-F-F. <laughs> do you think their kids went to school and were like yeah your dad probably could beat up my dad. Yeah. Tiny tough Tim is just <laughs> oh god. I think you just say oh my dad like he... <sighs> like what? What's a less embarrassing, embarrassing job than being disorderly conduct? Um, I don't know. Dad's a, a jizz mopper at a porno booth. Is that is that less embarrassing? I mean... <laughs> Much of a much it, It's probably a more respected industry. <laughs> I guess there's more consistent payoffs. More clean finishes. <laughs> More finishes for sure. <laughs> what do you think of dusty finishes in that industry? <laughs> <laughs> just, just a fucking like cloud and some cobwebs come out. <laughs> Big Pop has a totally different meaning as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking talk about high spots, eh? <laughs> oh, fucking. <laughs> So, so, so Raven and um, win. Yeah, so yeah, Raven g- gets in, clears house, brings in uh, the Saturn brings in the chair, drop toe hold, uh, pin broken up by me and Mike. Uh, Saturn does the ten punches under the skirt. Uh, lads attempt a double whip, which is nearly reversed in them, and then they hit a T bone and an even flow, and that's all she wrote. Uh, this went on as your your son cut right to the core of. Much longer than it should have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fucking yeah. <laughs> but at least, uh, at least our boys, uh, Raven and parents, are heading in the right direction. Yeah. So, fair play. Uh, finally, Lee, we get a flashback to something that happened uh, before, and it's the horseman jumping. Ray and Kidman wasn't there. Uh, Saturn and Raven had to make the save so they're teasing dissension amongst the tag team champions which is funny when you consider the only team that would last beyond the summer is Ray and Kidman yeah mm. uh, next up WCW Cruiserweight title match Ray Mysterio Jr. versus Juventud Guerrera let's go Um. finally it's just like this is one where you see that on the card and you're like okay we're going to have something good um, so speak and it was speaking of something good I was watching yeah. this match and I had a thought. Mm-hmm. You know, Dominic Mysterio has turned heel and gone all broody and mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking for some real heat. Okay. Dominic needs to start wearing some FUBU and oversized basketball short shorts and dressing like his dad yeah. in this era. Okay. That would, uh, yeah, I think that would be intensely disliked. Yeah, and also, I, what I, what I, <laughs> what I would also enjoy is the overwhelming majority of current day WWE fans who would have absolutely no fucking idea what he was doing. No, oh, no, they wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, but I, I'd love it. <laughs> I did appreciate. You see the tweet that was going out today that I really loved because. 
um, after inexplicably being tricked into re-signing uh, the Good Brothers this week, there's talk that WWE are on the cusp of signing Matt Taven. Get the and, fuck uh, out of here. There was a great tweet about how it's going to be so funny watching WWE fans have to pretend that Matt Taven's good. <laughs> well, do you know what? Matt Taven would be, he'd be the only person on that roster to fucking sell out Madison Square Garden, so... Yeah, this is true. Uh, I, I was going to say that, like, look, I, I'm not as low on him as some other people. I think he's a perfectly fine tag guy, mm-hmm. but I don't think his tag partner's going back with him. No. Not after how that last thing went. Although, do you know what? It, it, somebody dug up a Carl Anderson tweet from about 18 months ago where he was like, absolutely fucking never will I go oh, back there. On, was it? Yeah, oh, he's deleted yeah. it now, yeah. Uh, unless I need a second pool. <laughs> I guess he did need it. The, the man end. that was tw- um, fucking texting his wife saying, tell the kids I love them, is now going back yeah. to fucking Saudi Arabia in two weeks. Like, Holy fuck. Holy fuck. No respect. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this match, just this match being on the card, it's over as hell now at this point because the bell rings and before these guys even lock up, there's a reaction from the crowd. Mm-hmm. They know they're going to see some shit. Uh, we we firmly as well. We are in prime the juice uh, territory now. He is firmly a heel. Yes, he is. Um. Again, Tanae is trying to sell us a bill of goods about how all the NWO was injured. Um. Again, look, I, I I don't have a huge interest in recounting move for move this match because. I mean this in a flattering way that we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, that like if you see the the Ray Hoovy match and you've heard us review review the Ray Hoovy match before, you you kind of know what you're in for. I think it's a more the only dynamic I will say is that it's more now we've had Hoovy doing like subtle heel before with Ray, but this is firm now. I, I am the heel. I'm an American U.S. wrestling heel, Hoovy. Yeah. Uh, but the action is still fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the impact in, is still good. Um, the, uh, there's... Say, this match is also the second significant moment in the history of our show. Okay. I think I know what it might be. Go on, what do you think it might be? Is it the first instance of the Juice's elbow? Yeah. Um, so just in case him referring to himself as the juice you weren't sure who he was trying to rip mm-hmm. off he makes it very easy for you to figure out see uh, pe- people think this was all Vince Russo this is no. a good what four months before Vince Russo even comes yeah. in this garbage truck was on fire already now he arrived with just a couple of cans of petrol um, but yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't a hundred percent him. Did, that much didn't we can it come say. out like years later that this was all a big rib by like Conan and a few others in the back to basically tell Hoovy to just start mimicking the rock? Uh that would not be a surprise to me. <laughs> I could absolutely see I'd that. I'd have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure that, that was the story that they all just kind of basically egged Hoovy on to start doing his own version of the rock. Yeah, and I could also see WCW not having remotely enough interest in quality control to stop a rib like that making it to the air. 
Um, yeah. Um, there's a couple of good spots uh, in here. Um, there's a bit where uh, Hoovy tries to do like a corner rebound and he gets caught by the legs and just planted really hard on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, he Ray does a Bronco Buster, but he taunts too long after it. He nearly gets powerbomb, but reverses into a roll-up. Ray does one of the quicker tilt-a-whirl backbreakers you're ever likely to see in the wild. Um... I will say about the Hoovy elbow, which happens around this point in the match, Lee, that um, much as I groaned and rolled my eyes, people fucking hated him for it. People got real fucking mad. Um, so they do kind of like a string of reversals and it culminates in a really hard looking Hoovy driver, but he can't make the cover. Sets up the 450. Uh, Ray is... Uh, obviously one of the best of all time but he is one of the best of all time at the last ditch lunge mm-hmm. to knock somebody off the top uh, that was really really impressive I have to say I every time I think he's not going to make it this time and, and he did it um, so so fair fucking play to him uh, crotches him uh, at the, like literally the last possible second Ray hits uh, speaking of quick moves a lightning quick snap Hurricane Rana off the top yeah, rope for the really win yeah seen running up the top rope uh, Rana from Ray yeah. mm. really good good match yeah good match uh, it's not it's probably not their ah, nowhere in their like, not even their top 50 matches but still in comparison to everything else that's on the show it's just a good solid match Yes, 100%. Um, we are now back to Flair and uh, Charles Robinson backstage and Lee nearly just like melted into his couch at the thought of having to talk about this again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is going to be maybe one of the most specific comparisons of all time. But Charles Robinson in this segment looking at Ric Flair with the admiration slash horniness that, like, I have not seen a bigger pair of lustful eyes in professional wrestling since, I believe, Great American Bash 2007, I think it was, where there is a backstage skit with the Hardy Boys. Have Is this... Uh, by any chance ringing a bell no it was 2007 the one with all the elevated liver enzymes it could have been I, I want to say 2007 I might not have the year right but there's a backstage segment where the Hardy Boys are talking and all of a sudden they look off screen and it cuts to Candace Michelle as getting a bottle of water out of an ice bucket and then there proceeds to be like a period of slow motion and porn music I, as she's I like remember that, yeah. and and like so that's not funny but what is funny is that like <laughs> it cuts back to the two guys <laughs> they've obviously been given the direction that like there's a very attractive woman she's you know dousing herself in ice cold water you know while wearing yeah, you know whatever yeah, gear yeah, yeah. she was wearing I can't remember and uh so so that's that's the look you have to have on your faces. And Jeff does a, like a relatively kind of believable, perverted stare. But Matt Hardy's <laughs> relatively face, believable. Yeah. Perverted yeah. Stare. He looks like an yeah, he looks like an actual human being. Whereas like <laughs> Matt Hardy 
Marty's face is like he's a cartoon character. Like he looks like Scooby Doo has just seen a big sandwich. If you're gonna get my Hardy in so trouble, Rebby Hardy in this year for this, <laughs> it's like you're seeing Jeff, and he's like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> you're looking over Matt, who just looks hungry. <laughs> and then, of course, you know it's punctuated by Ron Simmons walking in uh, in between yeah. them, as did pretty much every skit at the time. But I just, I remember just Matt Hardy's face during that was like, okay, I forgot what comedy chops this guy has. But that's basically how Charles Robinson looked in this segment. I'm, I have tears in my eyes just thinking about that now. Oh God. Oh, t- talk about this segment, Lee, while I recover. I'm just thinking, is there a safe way me- for me to Google Candace Michelle on water? I don't think there is. Um, no. <laughs> but yeah, this this segment. Um, and, that, and now, dear listener, you have to ask whether Lee cares about whether it's a safe way to search. <laughs> um, oh, do you know what I'm going to do, right? I found the video. Okay. On YouTube. Throw it up into the Discord. I think... I think... (laughs) Yeah, it's just as good as I remember. Okay. I think I'm just going to tweet it out with no context from the Days of Thunder account. Yeah, people are going to think that's me. (laughs) Ah, Jesus Christ. Um, But yeah, this backstage segment, I kind of missed a lot of the context here because... I was also in the middle of doing something with the baby, so you're going to have to take this one. I, I don't even know what the whole point of this one was. Uh, okay, so this is, like, more about, um, you know, Aaron saying not to worry about the contract. And I loved, I loved the comparison he tried to make again. This is more Trailer Park Boys type ad-libbing, where he's just like, Rick, Rick, don't just sign things without reading them. You, you wouldn't do that with any of your businesses. You wouldn't do that with your gyms. And I was like, ah, yes. Famously astute businessman Ric Flair. That's how you appeal mm-hmm. to him. I think, Definitely I, a man I think that was who was known for... At that stage, even. Yeah, it had to have been. Um, so, because that's what he's like. He, he is, Flair's response to this was to indignantly shout, I owe money to the banks for my gyms. Uh, so Rick urges him to relax, but Aaron says his nerves are shot. Um, then we get our uh, our main event, WCW World Heavyweight Title Match, as Stevie Ray with Vincent makes his first ever challenge for the big gold belt against DDP with Kimberly. Um, gotta be said, uh, there is kind of like a, everyone looks main event level here. Like Stevie, before you see him wrestle, does look like a main really event does, guy. Yeah. DDP, God, he wears the belt well, doesn't he, Lee? Really does. um, uh, and Kimberly obviously looks great. I was well. just going to say, Kimberly adds so much to the act. Yeah, I'm so glad she's now kind of like firmly part of the act. And not dancing like anymore. Like she'd been... when Well, when you got to the... Um, where like the Steiner angle is where she really starts to like come back onto TV mm-hmm. uh, associated with him. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad she's kind of stuck around because this is the Kimberly r- run, I guess, that I remember. Yeah. Um, you know, and look, like like you said, she's just an incredibly beautiful woman. So I'm not going to complain about her being yeah. on the screen. Yeah. 
Um, but I will I will say the the DDP character over the past couple of weeks has just been so confusing, and it really yeah. really has harmed the connection he has with the crowd. Mm-hmm. Because that like they're happy, you know, but they could be happier. Yeah, and it's so contrasting when you have Larry Zabisco on commentary just saying, oh, DDP is like a ray of light and this is, you know, so deserved and everyone's so happy. Like, the dude took out Hulk Hogan's knee and Hogan was a face. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What? (laughs) It's just been, it's just been, and, and I guess we need to kind of get used to it. Um... everything is just gonna like every six weeks there's just a massive I don't know if someone's getting concussed and completely forgetting everything but it's not even a reset because a reset implies that there is like they're going okay here we go but it's not (laughs) because it's like they don't remember it's like the whole Hogan and Flair double turn just offset everything else in the main event scene like Nash was a heel with Hogan but then Hogan was facing teaming with Nash. And uh, Flair was the face who was teaming with other faces that had now turned heel, but still had to team with faces to take on, or to team mm. with Goldberg to take on Nash. And it's all just tr- it's thrown everything into fucking confusion. You have Sting coming back as a mega face. DDP, who had turned heel for no apparent reason. But now DDP is now a face again. And. Sting is now aligned with Randy Savage and nobody's quite sure why. Yeah. It's just, everything is just kind of out of sync and it never really settles back down. It's it's like there's just a bunch of scenes missing. Yeah. You know, like, like that's, a, that's what it's like. Or like uh, they just threw the scripts up in the air and filmed them in random Instead order. Instead of just going, Goldberg is our guy. Everyone should be sacrificed to Goldberg. They've just decided, uh, let's just do this for this week and see where we go. Yeah. Um, like I said, it really cut the legs out from underneath what should be, you know, if you were a fan of the page arc since the beginning of this show, which we mm-hmm. were, um, it really cuts the legs out from underneath what should be a victory lap, you know. Um This starts off really intense, which I liked, shoving punches and the likes. Uh, Stevie stumbles into the ropes off a punch and out of the ring. DDP does a plancha onto Stevie and Vincent at once, which gets the crowd going. Hits a noggin knocker. Uh, Stevie and DDP brawl up to behind the commentary table. Stevie's thrown into the crowd. DDP then at one point, they're kind of wandering back to the ring and Vincent's in the way and he just lamps Vincent a few times. <laughs> I don't even think you're supposed to. I think Vincent just got too close to them. Yeah, he just didn't. Just like, fuck off out of the way, pal. Uh, Stevie clubs him from behind and we're back in the ring uh, hits a cross chop to Paige's throw cross chop is something we don't see enough in wrestling Dar- Darby's a big proponent of the cross chop Darby mm-hmm. does it a lot doesn't he Darby yeah. is he is yes he does uh, we get a bear hug from Stevie Paige fights out but runs into a sidewalk slam uh, which is a really good look, sidewalk slam and this is where it kind of went you know what like it's not a classic but I'm enjoying this match I think it's delivering I think it feels like you know, not a pay-per-view level main event, but it feels like a TV main event title match. You know? It, it's um, fine. It, it, look, it wasn't awful. Yeah. 
No, no. I think like on the Stevie scale, it's on the upper end. Um, Paige hits uh, a neckbreaker, lariat on Stevie, uh, takes Vincent off the apron. Stevie kicks him and goes for the slapjack, but reversed into a big back body drop. Uh, Stevie whips him into the ropes, float over Diamond Cutter for the win. Uh, and then we get Lee, had you missed the NWO brawl to end the show? Because you got it in spades here. Stop? I, I don't know. It feels like maybe they stopped for a couple of weeks here and there. Um, Vincent jumps him right at the bell. Although Vincent had clearly like nearly got into the ring too early and then just froze mm-hmm. completely. Uh, Adams and Horace out too. Uh, double clothesline on Adams and Vincent. This is, I I like this end because I thought like they were going to get the baby faces out and it was just going to schmoz and we'll we'll go off the air like that. But uh, DDP just fights off the entire B team by himself. Yeah, the, the, uh, double clothesline Adams and Vincent and a diamond cutter on um, Vincent. Yeah, then. The, the new world champion just took out the heels. It was kind of good yeah. booking. Uh, him and Kimberly celebrate and he's kind of like instructing Kimberly to walk around. Uh, with the belt and show the crowd his big shiny belt. Um, so, like, as an angle, as a kind of, here is your new champion, he is the best, he is the best there mm-hmm. is, um, I think it did very yeah. well. And like we said, you know, for a Stevie Ray singles match, I think it was perfectly fine. Yeah, to be fair, like, I went in expecting not very much, and it was above average. <laughs> it was better it than was not It was the Mike very Sanders much. of world title matches. Oh, there's a man who's not in the not too distant future coming on our radar. Um, Lee, overall thoughts on the show, winners and losers. Uh, look, I said at the top of the show, it, it's a show that I did hate. Um, there was a lot of stuff not to like on it, the show, but in spite mm-hmm. of that, I still enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I got a good sleep halfway through, multiple times. <laughs> you did. You, 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 yeah, you got three or four good sleeps. Um, I think the the. Winners on the show for me are DDP. Again, in spite of the mixed signals, I think the close of the show with him just standing tall over the the re-established black and white is a good look. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Raven yeah. and Saturn just come across as the coolest guys in the world on the show. Yeah, they were they were going to be mine. Yeah, um, for sure. I think the lose the biggest loser on the show, unfortunately, is Rat. Poor dude, Rat. Yeah, the poor guy can't catch a break because he's like he's only back six months mm-hmm. or so from his last injury. Um, I would also add Mikey Whipwreck to that, that through no fault of his own was just like had what remained of his credibility yeah, just, just shot to shit by Larry. Um, um, but yeah, that that look, I think overall a decent show, a decent episode. Uh, our finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Vorga has this show with seven matches, six clean finishes and one count out. Uh, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. We will return uh, on the free feed in two weeks with our next episode. But if that is, uh, if you want a bit more of us in one week, we will be back with Black and Gold Season 2 on the paywall uh, on Patreon, alargemanappears.com. But until then, my friends, thank you very much for listening, and we shall speak to you again soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. 
I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.